0: We have uh, a great privilege to uh, have placed before us by the lectionary this week these various readings from Second Maccabees, and uh, it's a very rich narrative. And there's a lot here. Uh, One of the important things about Second Maccabees and the Maccabees in general is that uh, they provide a kind of a template or a a blueprint, if you will. for the uh, biblical vision of the end of the world, the uh, kind of the apocalyptic and what's called the eschatological uh, literature in the Bible, the uh, images and all the symbols that are that we see in that kind of literature, like in Daniel and in uh, the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, uh, they they're rooted in events and historical events that we read about in Maccabees. So if we want to understand uh, the different events that are going to characterize the end of the world, the conflict that the Church will endure at the end of the world, uh, just before the coming of Christ, uh, the the Antichrist, the coming of the Antichrist, and all of these different events, if we want to understand them, it's important to study the Maccabees, because what takes place in the Maccabees becomes a a type or a, a foreshadowing or a symbol of all these different things that are going to take place uh, just before the coming of Christ. And what we see this theme all throughout the Maccabees, a uh, theme of um, the people of God are divided. Some are assimilationists, and they assimilate to uh, the pagan persecu- uh, persecutors that are persecuting them. And so they say, well, you know, I, I feel for my life. Um, Uh, I fear for my economic well-being. And so my religion is not that important to me. So I'm going to just forget about my religion. I'm going to assimilate to the ways of the dominant culture that's uh, putting pressure upon us as the people of God. I'm just going to assimilate. I'm going to do what they want me to do. I'm going to play their game. I'm going to be like everybody else. And I'm going to save my skin by doing that. So these are the assimilationists, and then you have, on the other hand, the members of the people of God who says, who say, to them, says, no, I'm not going to assimilate. I'm going to uh, be loyal and pious to my ancestors who transmitted my religion to me, and also, and most importantly, to God. And I'm, I'm not going to capitulate to the pressures that are upon me. Uh, even if it costs me my life. And so that's a kind of a theme that we have throughout the Maccabees, and that is a foreshadowing of what uh, the Church will endure uh, as the end of the world approaches. There will be great pressure upon Christians to assimilate to the broader post-Christian culture, and many, unfortunately, baptized Catholics will do just that. And then there will be some who won't. And we have to choose which group are we going to belong to. Are we going to be of the assimilationists, or are we going to be of the faithful? Um, We see here in this particular text from Maccabees this story of Eleazar. Uh, It's very powerful, very moving, and we learn a lot from this story. Uh, Here he is, he's an old man, he's 90 years old. He's going to die anyways of natural causes within, you know, who knows, a few years or so. And uh, his reasoning, uh, his prudence, his piety, his fidelity to his ancestors and to God are uh, exemplary. Also his sense of self-dignity and uh, self-worth is really spot on. And it's a model for all of us. I, uh, I think today of um, you know, something I've mentioned before, another, another homily, uh, daily homily. Very common practice for older folks today, unfortunately, because of economic pressures, they might have a sweetheart, uh, maybe their spouse has died and they've got a, a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and they're, you know, they're lonely, they're looking for companionship, and so then they, they cohabitate with this person instead of marrying them. It's a very, and they do that oftentimes because of economics. It's not economically advantageous for them to marry, and so they instead cohabitate. And it's a very common practice today. Um, but what they're not realizing is, even if they're not having extramarital relations with this person, even if that's not taking place, okay. They're still providing a bad example for the young. Okay, so they're contributing to the breakdown of marriage in society by doing that, uh, and it's a grave sin. And uh, they're very selfish in their whole outlook on life. And, and they're not thinking about others. Now we have Elazar, who provides the exact opposite example. Okay, He says, look, even if I were not to, because you know, his friends are saying to him, his pagan friends are saying to him, look, how is that? it's not a big deal. Like, How about we get you some beef or something like that? You know, Something you can actually eat legitimately. We'll, we'll have you eat that. And, you know, it'll look like, you know, you're eating pork, but you really won't be doing anything wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So, why don't you do it? says, it doesn't matter whether or not I'm really eating the pork or not. It also matters my public presentation of what it appears that I'm doing. Okay? So he's mindful of scandal, and I would provide a bad example to the young. So we have in the in the, the figure of uh, Arizar a very, very great example of uh, for us as Christians not to assimilate to the mores and to the ways of the broader non-Christian, post-Christian society in which we live, and uh, especially being mindful of not just the actual committing of sin, but also the appearance of committing sin, and the importance of providing an example uh, for the young.